Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to study Zechariah, the Prophet Zechariah, chapter 6, that's Perak Vav. This vision is the final vision in the series of visions which we have been studying together that started in chapter 1. Um, and as we saw, all of the visions are difficult to interpret. They are difficult to understand exactly what it is that Zechariah is trying to teach. Uh, and this is the final in that series. Um, this particular vision to that we're going to study today is probably one of the most difficult. And the commentaries over the years have attempted to explain it in many different ways. I am going to take the approach today that you shall see in just a moment. An approach that incorporates what exactly the message of all of these visions were and which really culminates in the vision we're about to study and the situation that the people were in remember and we've emphasized this repeatedly the people that had come back from babylon and came to the land of israel were expecting a grand um return to zion re-establishing a king re-establishing an independent kingdom, a beautiful temple, and all kinds of miracles and prophecies and so on. And what they had instead was, they're still under the thumb of the oppressive Persian Empire. There's no independence. The king is not a king. The temple doesn't look like a temple. The people are depressed. And the primary job of Zechariah and the, prophet, the other prophets in this time period, Haggai and Malachi, is to encourage the people to know that God is still with them. It is up to them to build a temple and then they will have the presence of God. But not, you know, and, and that this can be the redemption if only the people would make it into the redemption. Now, why did the people have this vision? I'm going to explain this because um, why did the people think that everything was going to be grand and great? Um, what was it that was in the mind of the people that Zechariah was talking to? What was the psychology of the people? What did they, what were the visions? What were the aspirations and where did they come from? And Zechariah himself, what were the frames of reference that he used when he addressed the people and when he understood what it was that they expected and in contrast to what it was that they actually saw? Well, we know that clearly what the, the visions that the people had, the ideas and aspirations and the expectations that the people had came straight from the previous prophets that had prophesied about this glorious return to Zion. So it's extremely important in order to understand today's vision to go over several of the previous prophets and read the images that they used and the understanding that they had and the message that they imparted to the people back during the times of the first temple, as the first temple was being destroyed, and during the early period after the destruction. If we go back and study this, then we can have a handle on understanding what it is Zechariah is saying today. Um, the approach that I'm going to take, most of the, the idea and the inspiration for it came from the Dat Mikra series um, by, uh, uh, by a scholar in Israel, Zerkavod. And I'm, but I kind of embellished it and, and expanded on his ideas a little bit. And we, we need to go on a tour of previous prophets 
And I'm going to pick and choose some of those images in order to portray the image that the people had. And then we can read the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 6, and it will make sense. Now, this approach is an approach that the vast majority of the traditional commentators don't take. I do believe this is the right approach. I hope you enjoy it, and I'd be more than happy. I would love to hear comments uh, regarding this. So let's start. For the first prophet I want to study is Chavakuk. So we're going to look back at the prophet of Chavakuk. You're, of course, welcome to go back to the podcast that I did on Chavakuk, and we're going to specifically concentrate on chapter 3. So let's look on chapter 3. First, let's read chapter 3, verse 3 to 6. Chavakuk is, is now talking about the future. He's talking about the future redemption uh, that's off in a time when hopefully one day we will all uh, be merit to see this. But he says the following image in 3.3 of Chavakuk. God will come from Teman. Teman is the south. God will come from Teman and the Holy God will come from Har Paran, the Mount Paran. This is the image of God returning to Jerusalem from exile. The heavens are covered with His, with his glory. <coughs> and His splendor fills the earth. Vinoga and a shine. I want you to pay very close attention. A shine will be like a light. Rays of light from will come off from each side of, of, of this image of God. And his his the power of his glory will be there in the presence of this of, of God, of this image of God returning from the south, coming back from exile, coming to the land of Israel. Um Destruction comes before him. In other words, the enemies, the people that were that do not merit to participate in the redemption, Vietse Reshef Liragla. Amod Vayimoded Eretz. Amad, he stood and he measured the land. Ra'avayater Goyim, he sees and Vayater. This has several translations and he released nations from their bondage. Vayit Potitsu Harare Ad. And the, the mountains. Of, of forever, the, those mountains that we thought of as being strong and forever, you spoke to smashed. Now, I want you to take this image. God coming, the shine, the glory of God, God coming from outside, from places far away, coming back to the land, and this image of these powerful mountains that are shake, shaken and shattered. So take that image for a moment, and let us now look um, at the prophet Jeremiah, Yirmiyahu chapter 4. Okay, let's look in Yirmiyahu chapter 4. Now remember, Yirmiyahu is prophesying at the end of the first temple period. Look at Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. This is really, really important to absorb these images so that you understand what it is that Zechariah is t- saying. What does he say? Hagidu I want you to say in the places, I want you to speak out in Judah and in Jerusalem. Hashmiu, let, let it be known. Ve'imru. Tiku shofar ba'aretz, a shofar should be blasted throughout the land. Maluvi imru he asfu v'navo alareyam etzar. And then it says, su'u neis tziona. I want you to, to set up a signpost saying, come to Jerusalem. Uh, 
I'm sorry, ki ra'anochi mevi mitzafon. This is the key thing. I want you to hear this. Ki ra'anochi mevi mitzafon. I am bringing evil from the north. V'shever gadol. And a great disaster is going to come from the north. Pay attention. The image of the north being the source, the place from which destruction comes. The north being the place from which all the attackers against the people of, of Israel always come from the north. The north is representative of Babylon. This is where it's going to come from, Jeremiah said earlier on. And now I want you to look in the same chapter of Jeremiah, chapter 4, verses 23 to 26. <coughs> this is very important to understand this again. So let's look at these things. Or ECS I saw the land being a <coughs> Vavohu, it was empty and there was nothing. I looked to the heavens and there was no light. Remember, looking to the heavens in the time of destruction, one sees no light coming from there. Later in Zechariah, we'll see when, we, when one looks to the distance, one will see light, one will see shine when the, the redemption comes as opposed to destruction. This is crucial to understanding what we're about to study together. Verse 24, And I have seen the mountains in on the mountains. I've seen the mountains of Hineiro Hashim, and they are shaking. Earthquakes, Otis Kalkalu, and all of the high places, all the hills are ruined. I have seen it, and there's no people. The animals, the birds, they've all ran away. Ra'isi, I have seen Vihinea Carmel Midbar and um and everything has become desolate because of God's anger. So that's the image of destruction. But remember, we're looking to the north. We see no shine. We see no light. We see no God coming. And we see the mountains shaking. Again, that same image of the mountains shaking. When there's destruction, we look, we see no light shining. We see no God coming. We see the mountains themselves shaking. We see destruction. Okay, I know this is a lot, but this is really important to understanding each and every image that we're about to study in Zechariah, and it's going to be beautiful, it's going to make so much sense. So hang in there now. Let's look at Yechezkel. Let's remember the concept in Yechezkel, um, uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel, if you remember, started off with the image of the Merkava, the chariot of God. In the first chapter, he described the chariot and the glow and the shine and the glory. And if you remember, when we studied the entire book of Yechezkel, we pointed out that the underlying theme of the entire book of Yechezkel was the idea that the chariot of God started off in the temple, in the first temple, and God left. The chariot got up and flew out of the temple and abandoned the temple because it was no longer the temple that God desired because the people had defiled it. That chariot in, in Ezekiel then went and traveled along with the people into exile. The chariot of God went to the people in exile and resided there. That was one of the messages of Ezekiel, that God has not abandoned the Jewish people just because he abandoned the temple. He abandoned the building, but not the people. He is the present in exile with them. And then at the end of Ezekiel, we learned how the chariot and the presence of God came and traveled back to the temple in the vision of what we then described as the third temple. <coughs> but it was really the temple of the future. It's the temple that the people now are hoping is being built now, in the beginning of the second temple period. God is now back with the people. The chariot has returned. That is how the book of Ezekiel ended. But let's look carefully on how it was described. First, let us look at Yechezkel chapter 40, verse 3. This is very important again. 
When God describes, uh, when Ezekiel, I'm sorry, the prophet describes what he saw as God was returning to the third temple and rebuilding it. What did he see? God brought me into the temple. And behold, I saw a man. His appearance was like the appearance of shining copper or shining bronze. And there was... um, uh, uh, a rope of of, uh, of made of flax in his hand, and he was there to measure in order to rebuild. So the angel showing Ezekiel had a shine, had a glow, and how did he describe it? He described it as the glow of copper. This is a very important image. Let's uh, look to um, Yechezkel chapter 1, now for a minute, this is Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 7, when he's describing the chariot of God. How does he describe the shine? He describes it, denotes it, that the glow and the shine of God is like the color and the shine and the glow of Nehoshet, that same shine, that same glow, the glow and shine of bronze or copper that's shiny and clean and it glows and it spreads its shine all around. It's very crucial, it's important. So when Yechezkel describes the shine and the glow of the chariot of God that we just described, he describes it as the glow of Nehoshet, the glow of copper. I want to um, look at Yechezkel chapter 43, Ezekiel chapter 43, because there are some images there that are very important as well. And that is the following. Um, 43 verse 1, God brought me to the gate which was facing eastward. <coughs> and what did he see? I saw the honor, the God of Israel. He was coming back from the east. He was coming from the east. Remember before we saw God was coming from the south. Now he's coming from the east. And the land lit up from his glory, from his greatness. The land lit up, remember that shine. That same shine, that same copper shine that I saw before, all the way back then on the Har Kavar, on the river Kavar back in Babylon, when God was leaving, I now see that shine and glow coming back to the temple. This is a very important concept. I want to now go and read one more prophet, and then we'll be able to look at our prophet Zechariah and understand what he's saying. Let's go to Haggai chapter 2. <coughs> Um, verse 22 and let's see what Haggai had to tell us remember Haggai is saying this prophecy at the same time period when Zechariah was saying he says I will overturn the thrones of the kingdoms the evil kingdoms and I will destroy the strength of I will destroy the strength of the power of the nations the oppressive power of the Persians is what he's talking about that's on top of you I'm going to turn upside down. I'm going to destroy the chariots and her riders. The horses and their riders. Let clue in on these words. I will turn it upside down. What Haggai is saying here is that the power of the horses and the chariots, those horses and chariots that belong to the Chozik Mamluchot Hagoyim, I will turn them upside down. It will be God's chariot returning, just like Ezekiel had described. It will be God's horses 
The horses and riders of the enemy will go down in destruction, but it will be God's horses that will come. Because we have Fahti, Bayomahu on that day, Chagai tells us, No Madonite Sivao says God, Zrubavel ben Shaltiel, I will take you Zrubavel, and I will make you Visamtika Kachosam Kivokharti. I have chosen you, I will make you the leader, I will make you the Messiah. <coughs> Remember one more thing in the chapter of Zechariah, chapter 1, where he started off, what was the image that the people had in mind of the Persian Empire? The image of power, the image with which they ruled with an iron fist over their vast empire. It was the horses. It was the network of horses. Remember the vision of the first one. The Jews, as every time they saw those horses of the, um, <coughs> of the Persian Empire coming to check on them, to wield power over them <coughs> was a constant reminder that they were not independent, they were not powerful. Now that we have all these images in place, we can now study the Zechariah chapter 6, and it will all make a lot of sense. All of a sudden, this chapter 6, which seems so difficult to interpret, will come in a beautiful shining light and i use that pun on purpose chapter chapter 6 verse 1 and then i had another vision and i raised up my eyes and i saw i saw four chariots coming out from between two mountains so i look in the distance and i see these this pair of mountains which the previous prophets saw shaking, saw getting crushed in the destruction. But now I see these mountains and these look different. These are mountains of copper. These are mountains from which there's the shine and the glory of God, the God, God's chariot himself. Remember, like Haggai said, those, those chariots are no longer the chariots of destruction, the chariots of the enemy, but these are the chariots of God. And what did I see? I saw those horses. In the beginning, Zechariah doesn't know. Are these horses of the um, oppressor that I'm seeing? Are these horses of the Persians? Or are these the horses of God? But we're going to find out in a minute. Remember all of the different colored horses, the horses of war, the horses of red. And the second chariot had black horses. In verse 3 now, of Mekavah, and the third one had white horses. And on the fourth of the ones I saw spotted and speckled horses of different colors. So all different kinds of horses coming from, because when God comes from places all around the world, each one has a different character. Each one, the people that, the, uh, that are coming back, God coming back from exile in his chariots is an image. Each place has a different quality, has a different way, has a different type has a different path, and so on. Va'an va'omar. So then I said, and I answered, and I said, to this the angel, the angel who speaks to me, what are these? What am I looking at? Am I seeing more destruction? Or am I finally seeing the chariot of God coming back? And the angel answered, and he told me, These are the four corners of the earth, the four directions of heaven, east, north, south, west, this God is coming back from everywhere, coming back to Zion. Yotz os mehis yatsev. These horses were all standing el adon over the master of the entire world. The Persians might have a vast kingdom, but adon kalaharetz is so much more mighty, so much more powerful. These chariots are the hafachti, are the are the 
upside down ones. No longer are these the chariots of the Persian Empire, but now these are the, or any empire, or these are the chariots that were standing before God. And remember, what did those horses do for Persia? They were Mishotetim. They went around, they spied around the world, they Mishotetim Bechal Aretz. Asher Bohasusim the one with the black horses, Yotzimelar Tzafo, and they are going to the northern lands. Remember what the northern land represents. That's where the key destruction always comes from, is the north, the white ones. They're coming from behind them. There's various ways to interpret that, but behind, very often in Tanakh, refers to the west. It's, it's behind because that's where the sun sets. And the brudim, the spotted and speckled ones, they're coming from the south. Remember, God came from the south. And now the the um <coughs> the amutzim, which would be uh, some other color pattern. they went out. And they asked God. They desired to go around the entire world. Okay. The, the ones that are to go to, the, to uh, come from the east, they need to go search out the entire world. So then God answered them when they told, when they asked God, remember the horses were talking to their master in the first vision. The horses asked the master, which then was the master of war, was Persia. Now that master is Adon Aretz. So the next team of horses says, but there's still people out there. There's still Jewish people out there in exile. We still, we can't go back yet. We need to be mishotet. We need to search out the world. We need to be mishalech ba'aretz. Because, because, um, because uh, it's not done. It's not over. There's still many people out there. Remember, we pounded this theme. We studied this theme so many times in Zechariah and in the other prophets. So far at the beginning of the Second Temple period, only a small number of Jews came back. And where did they come back from? They came back from Babylon, the ones that came. Vayaz Ekosi. And then he called out to me and he screamed to me, Vayidaberi Lailemar, the, the Malach Adover be my angel. The one angel who's interpreting to me told me, I want you to take care. Look carefully at the ones that went out to the north. The north where all the suffering came from. They calmed down my soul. They calmed, well, my spirit, the spirit over here, the Ruach of God, the spirit of God has been calmed down the land of the north. No longer is the land of the north a source of destruction. But the land of the north is a source of the shine of Nehoshet, the shine of copper. No longer are, now the chariots of God are returning and they're searching around the entire world because it's time for the people to return. It's time for the people to come back. This is the vision, the final vision in this series of Zechariah. <coughs> now that Zechariah has this vision, we can read and understand very well the rest of chapter 6, which follows so beautifully. This is verse 9. The word of God then to me was as follows. No more is he dreaming. No more is the visions. Now it's practical. Now it's practical. I want you to, to uh, welcome, to take from the people that had been exiled. Uh, I want you to take some representatives. It's time to start uh, to, to, to appoint our leaders and, and, be, and begin the rebuilding process and the establishment of what can be and should be the seeds of the redemption. May Cheldai, I want you to talk to Cheldai. Umeis Tovia, these are people's names. Tovia, Umeis Yedaya, Uvasa Tabayomahu, and I want you to come 
on on that day, Yom Hahu virtually always, and I repeat this a lot, is the day in the future, but if here it means the day of redemption, because the day of redemption is here. That's the theme of Zechariah. It can be and it should be here today. I want you to take these leaders, take these people, and go to the house of Yoshia, the son of Bubble, that they all came from Babel, from Babylon, from the north. Because remember, the north was calm. The north Babylon was the place where the people that had come to Jerusalem had come from, come back from, returned from. I want you to take Kesef Izov, gold and silver, I want you to make crowns. And one of those crowns I want you to place on the high priest, on the Kohen HaGadol, uh, whose name was Yoshua ben Yotzadak, who was going to be the religious leader, the spiritual leader of the people in this new, this new endeavor of reestablishing the temple. I want you to say to the Kohen, I want you to tell him, so says the Lord God, what is the message that God has for the religious and spiritual leadership? The message is, and this is beautiful, the message is that your realm is to be the religious and spiritual leader. The political leader, who is the leader who's going to build the land and a nation from a political level? He ne'ish, behold here. What does he say to Yoshua ben Yotzarak? That over there is, the, is another man. Tzemach Shemo, his name is Tzemach. He is the Tzemach, the sprout, the Tzemach of David, the Tzemach of the descendant of David, who I have been referring to so many times in so many visions by that term, Zerubbabel, the one who is going to be the king, Umitachtav, and it is from him that will grow and, 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 and sprout. He will be the one that builds the house of God. The political leader will build the temple. You are going to be the high priest and run the service of the temple and teach the people and be a spiritual guide. So what is the message that God had for the spiritual leader? Don't mess around in politics. The political leader, the tzemach, is not you. You may be holy, you may be the one that goes into the holy of holies, but the political leader is not you, that's him. And he's the one that's going to build the temple. Again, in verse 13, He is the one that is going to build the temple of God. He's going to be the one that has that glory, that great high glory of being the king. He's the one who will sit and rule on his throne. But there will also be next to him for guidance. He will also need to know that for spiritual guidance, he has to look to the spiritual leaders when it is in their realm. Next to his throne will be the high priest. Va'atzas shalom. And what kind of relationship will be between them? Atzas shalom. The advice of peace. When we have a separation between the, the political leadership and the spiritual leadership, when they are separate, but each inform the other one when it's appropriate for their spheres, then we have an atzas shalom. Then we have the type of etza, the type of, of, of discussion, the type of, of um, understanding, which leads to shalom, which leads to peace. And these two crowns, they shall be held by chelem, which is uh, presumably <coughs> the same person as cheldai, um, to these people <coughs> these thrones will stand as a remembrance 
in the temple of God. The thrones aren't even going to be worn by them. They're going to be held in the temple of God. And what will happen then? What will be the ultimate result when we set up the country in this beautiful way? People from far, far away. Because remember the vision that we started this chapter with. The vision of the, of the whole The horses, the chariots, the messengers of God are going to go through the entire land. And then the Ruchokim, the people that are far away, they will all come back. And they will build within the temple of God. You see a temple which looks lowly, which looks small, which looks tiny, which looks nothing like what you expected. But when the Ruchokim come back, they will continue to build within this temple. It will become bigger, bigger, better, more beautiful, more wonderful. Vidatem, and then you will know <coughs> when this happens, then the Prophet says, You will know that I am a messenger of God, Aleichem. He's the one that sent me to you. And when will this happen? How will all these beautiful things happen? Only if you listen to the um, voice, to the will, to the, um, to the commands of the Lord your God. Thank you so much for studying Zechariah chapter 6 together. Looking forward to studying Zechariah 7 and the rest of this beautiful, beautiful book of Zechariah together.